Welcome to Three Films in a Podcast, the show where Destiny brought together three friends to enhance each other's cinematic journey by watching three new movies in a series of themed rounds. There is no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode, as all film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Three Films and a Podcast. My name is Tyler Beck. Joining our fellowship on our quest today, we have the Aragorn to my Gimli, the leader, the fearless leader of this podcast, the one and only Ben Lawhorn. Potatoes. <laughs> my favorite part of this whole movie. Yeah. It's the one thing I remembered, and I rewound it like four times watching this, and I love that scene so much. Phenomenal. <laughs> Another really good meme moment, like the Lord of the Rings movies just have the most memeable stuff in there. It's, it's, the it's really fun. And like, I always forget which movie each meme came from. So every time it happens, it's I get the Leo meme moment. Nice. You know? Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, this fellowship is not complete, would not be complete and could not be complete without our Legolas, the irreplaceable and immensely talented Matt Weiler. Straightest arrow of them all. From That's the city right. of trees. Indeed. From the woodlands. <laughs> tr- they make for good arrows. It's true. It's, it's a balance. Ant. You don't want to run into like a Fangorn thing where you cut down too many trees to make your arrows, but they make they make for a, we for make a good do. quiver. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, whether you're new here or if you're an established movie club member, thank you for your support. Uh, we're so happy to have you all here. And if you're not already following at Three Films Pod on all your social media feeds, uh, please consider doing so. And also check out our merch and Patreon support options over at threefilmspod.com. But before we go any further into this week's movie, please allow me to introduce you to our very special guest, Tom from Talking Pictures Trivia. Hello. How are you guys doing? Hello. 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 Welcome back. Yeah, Yeah, long time. I I think I'm the Gimli in this group. Would would that work? (laughs) If we have an Aragorn and a Legolas, am I the axe-wielding Tiny you fellas? you can certainly be Gimli. I, I, we I talked think, about this. Oh, go ahead. I think because mm-hmm. of our tension, you would be the Gimli. Right now, I don't like you, but I'm hoping by the end of the podcast, we'll have an unspoken friendship. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm confident you will. Right. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I've always, but, I've but always I currently identified. don't like you at all. Just, just to know that. Yeah. We're starting it out. Right Likewise. I, uh, I've always identified with Gimli because like, I don't look like aragorn i'm not tall and skinny like an elf i'm not whatever whatever but i'm like so i'm i'm the most like dwarf like as far as the fellowship's concerned but after watching after talking about the first movie last week it's like I'm, I'm more of a hobbit than anything <laughs> <laughs> i just want to chill out in the shire and, and smoke my long my my what's that weed they smoke like old long... toby old yeah. toby yeah <laughs> drink my but ale give, hang out at the yeah. pub <laughs> sounds pretty you sweet mar- yeah, what do you, uh, what's her name? Who's the woman that Sam marries at the end? Gosh, um, I can't remember. At the Prince and Pony? Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I can't yeah, remember. remember. They set it up in that mm-hmm. first movie. But. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, uh, longtime movie club members may recognize Tom from some of our previous episodes, but just in case, uh, Tom, why don't you take a moment and just kind of let people know who you are, where they can find you, all that sort of stuff? I'm Tom. I uh, work on, work for, work with talking pictures trivia podcast it's a Mm -hmm. podcast about movies and we use a trivia format to to dive into the films and if you like this podcast come over and subscribe to talking pictures trivia 
podcast. We've had you guys on multiple episodes. We've did yeah. the Apu movies, Apu movies with mm-hmm. with, with Ben, um, Tyler. You were on. What were you on? I remember. <laughs> I came on for Clerks. Close, I came on for Close, Close Encounters. Encounters. Right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. something else a long time ago, but I couldn't quite remember. Yeah, yeah, I did World of Apu and Shin Godzilla, and then I went with you for Clerks, which yeah. is super fun. Yeah. yeah. So those episodes it, it, are a lot of fun, so come on over and, and download them. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Uh, we've always had a blast coming on your show. I highly recommend, uh, if you're listening to this show, you're going to like that one. It's it's fun to play along with, too. I know when I listen to episodes that I'm not on, I always feel like I do so well at the trivia. Then I come <laughs> on, and I don't do quite as well. But it's fun to play along and, and test your knowledge. And uh you know, you've talked about a lot of cool movies in the past. So yeah, give them a listen and give them a follow if you're not already. Um, and Matt, did yes. you, have you gone on there, Matt? I was almost on the From Up on Poppy Hill episode. Okay. Um, so if you guys can calm your attention on this episode, then maybe, maybe you we know, that was it. Honestly, that yeah. was it. That's um, the whole, I asked yeah, like, KJ if Tom was going to be there. He said, yeah, I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. We got, we got yeah. some stuff to work yeah. out. So yeah, it, it takes yeah. a, something yeah. a little more gravitas than a trivia show to get an elf and a dwarf to play play nicely yeah. together. It's a big. It's, it's, we will slay many an orc together and resolve <laughs> this yeah. long-standing conflict. We'll make yes. this work. I hope so. I hope mm-hmm. so. Well, as I mentioned before, uh, this marks the third time that Tom has joined us on our show. Uh, you came on to talk about close encounters of the third kind. We sort of did an appearance for an appearance swap Mm -hmm. um, as well as to help navigate our quest, uh, navigating the world of a poo and uh, the other two movies in that trilogy as well. Um, You can find those episodes and our episodes feeds back in episode one. And um, speaking of trilogies, this episode marks the second installment of the second round of trilogies in our second season. And continuing with that theme, this is the second time we've held a trilogy round. Because obviously, here at Three Films Pod, we partake in second breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, that first trilogy round, um, as Tom can attest to, we packed all three movies into one episode. So like yeah. the Apu trilogy, we did one episode covering all three movies. We did one episode covering Blade, so on and so forth. And uh, we had regrets <laughs> as we were doing that. <laughs> that was just a lot. A that, yeah. that was a lot. So um, we've learned our lesson. And this time around, we're just going to give each movie its own episode. And without any further ado, we're going to dive right into this week's movie. I'm talking, of course, if you haven't guessed it by now or if you can't read your podcast feed. Uh, <laughs> but let's just assume you just listen to the, your podcasts as they come up on your into your ears. Uh, We're talking about the second film in the Lord of the Rings trilogy released in 2002, starring everyone's favorite fellowship with a few new faces mixed in and directed, of course, by Peter Jackson. That's right. This episode is all about my personal favorite installment of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Two Towers. And I want to jump right into some personal experience and first impressions. Normally we go to the guests first, but I've—I'll be honest—I'm so excited to hear Ben's reaction to this because, <laughs> again, it's one of my favorites, and I know you haven't seen it in a long time. And no pressure, but the no fellowship—the fellowship depends upon your experience with this movie. So let me have it. I think you just watched it today, right? 
Yeah, I finished it up today. Uh, and I think I may have been wrong about beforehand when I said that I saw all these in the theater. Cause I don't know if I've ever seen this before mm. <laughs> other than like <laughs> scenes in college. Like I talked sure. about some of my like audio classes, the teacher would show the behind the scenes. And so like, I was familiar with a lot of it, but like, I think I would have anticipated the potatoes thing, you know, I'm like, Oh, that's sure. like, I, anything that happened in this, I did not know what was coming. So like, did I see this in theaters? <laughs> oh, I so know I saw the first you. one. So I think this may have just been my true first watch of the movie. Awesome. Um, that's and I, I loved it. I mean, I thought it was so good. Um, it was, I mean, there's just like so much to talk about that. Oh, I know we'll all get into, but you know, it's like, it's the act two of this trilogy. It's kind of like a lot of the action and you get the cool stuff of, you know, like the, elves showing up like yeah we'll we'll fight with you and yeah. and the ants which are super rad you know like they're they're super cool um and just like the yeah the story as a whole i think i fell more in love with sam in this movie it's like oh okay i see now why he's like the most pure hobbit best oh, yeah. friend best wingman ever you know what Sam's i mean like, i don't best, know that there's yeah. a, a better friend out there potatoes boil them mash them stick them in a stew um so yeah i don't know i i genuinely loved it i thought it was great yeah I, i'm excited to see the third one. i'm excited to see how this all wraps up because yeah. i feel like at least with the people i know this one is like the favorite which i i get and i can see why like that battle at helms deep is insane you know and as i talked about last week like oh i finally saw who was showing up to save yes. people i did not know who it was you know i was like oh okay cool that's who it is so yeah that was super rad um i really enjoyed that quite a bit it was cool to see Carl Urban. I was not ready for him. <laughs> you know, like, like, no one's ever ready for Carl Urban. Right? No, yeah, no one is like, ever ready for Carl Urban. <laughs> no one's ready for him. You and can't prepare. Yeah, we were, like I was watching with my girlfriend. Like, wait, is that the Ragnarok guy? He's like, yeah, yeah, and my stuff. You know, I was like, oh yeah, it's that dude. <laughs> like, I mean, I love Carl Urban. Like, shout out Dread if you haven't seen that. But it was cool to see him. Yeah, I don't know. I I had a blast and I'm like super excited to get into the last one. And I feel like this is a kind of movie that will make it into a regular rotation for me. Like, I don't know how I haven't really watched it before, but it it was awesome. I mean, it was four hours, but it was awesome. I had had a blast. Oh, that's beautiful. That makes me so happy. There was a part (laughs) of me that was afraid you would be like, I don't know. It just didn't quite live up to the first one and blah, 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 blah. Like, <laughs> and, you know, to be honest, like as I was watching it this time and I've never really been forced to make these comparisons before, I've always been able to just enjoy them as I enjoy them. But mm. now that we're like, you know, thinking about these things a little bit more critically and putting our opinions out there, I was like, I think maybe Fellowship of the Rings is like technically a better movie. I just enjoy this one so much more. So I was I was prepared to have that discussion with you. You're like, yeah, the first one's just so good. I don't, you know, this one's its second one's great, but so um, I don't know. But no I'm, need. You can sheath your sword. Yes, <laughs> you can put that back away. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know the story of it, the action of it. There's so much going on. Like I do think after I watch all three, the fellowship still might be like maybe I think it's just the Shire of it all. Like I yeah. just I love it. You know, like the whole setup there. And because it's the other one that I've seen, that only one that I've seen, but this one was like, man, the battles and stuff like that. It was, it was so rad. It was just amazing to take in just all the work that went into this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was going through the trivia page when you talk about the work that went into this movie, it's like insane. Some of the stories that are yeah. behind this movie, but um, we don't need to get into that right now. Tom, like I said, we usually go to the guest first, but I skipped because 
I just had to hear Ben's reaction. So I've yeah, I wanted really to hear Ben's that. reaction too. Yeah, I, I have <laughs> yeah. not met someone roughly my age, and we'll say roughly my age for for my yeah. sake that that hasn't seen the uh, this trilogy. So I'm right. very happy to hear it, it lived up to it. But my my first response to it, I think I saw this in the theaters. I have a terrible history of my own past, but I've always loved this movie, and I think this is my favorite. I, I go back and forth between this and Return of the King, yeah, uh, just because I think Return of the King deals with with death in a really interesting way. Um, mm-hmm. But this movie, I maybe it's the best. I think what it does so well is that it it makes you realize the sacrifice that's being made mm-hmm. for right. this world to continue. And you see that with the elves leaving. This totally. is, that's a big spotlight on this movie. That's not in the other two. It's totally. you see the elves leaving Rivendell and, and Lothlorien. And that seems to be necessary for the age of man to begin. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that stuff in the book, it's not really in the movie. There's this idea that the, like the elves have rings and if Sauron gets the ring, he control these beautiful places. But, you know, whatever. The, the point is that these people have to go for the age of man to begin. Right. And these are the best places in, in Middle Earth. I mean, Lothlorien is the most gorgeous place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it has this kind of Garden of Eden feel. And yeah. yet, if you want to be free as a man if you want to be one of these people who you know has kind of freedom and autonomy in this world these beautiful places have to go and so i think this movie more than any of them kind of makes clear that the sacrifice is this kind of beautiful thing right this this amazing wonderful thing and that the age of man is going to be potentially a good thing potentially a bad thing um but it's going to be their age and there's this kind of great sacrifice that's that's happening as a consequence of that and i think the other reason why i i really love this too is especially with um theoden the king of the the roharan Mm -hmm. you see i think with him uh and you see this too a little bit with with return but especially here uh there's this idea of like it doesn't matter if you're defeated you Mm -hmm. still ride out and fight yeah. And that's where, where Theoden's redemption is. The fact that at that end, he turns to Aragorn and Aragorn says, let's ride out together. And yeah. he says, the horn will blow one last time and we will ride out together. And there's this idea of no matter what your back is against, no matter how uh, inevitable the loss is, mm-hmm. still you fight and still you push on, right? You totally. cannot be ironic. This is yeah. not yeah. a space mm-hmm. for irony. This is a space for romance or tragedy, mm-hmm. and you will embrace, you know, you will embrace the battle, and hopefully it will be a romance in the sense that, like, the good will continue on and the world mm-hmm. will be saved or, or what have you, but maybe it will be tragic. Maybe men will fall, and one day men will fall, but it is not today, and I think that's what today. makes these movies, yeah, so much better than, like, the crap that comes out of Lucas Studios now or Disney or whatever the hell, whatever the hell owns that, that disaster. Yeah. Shade, shade. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so no. I just finished Obi-Wan and so I'm a little angry, oh. but you know, <laughs> but that's, that's my, that's my first impression. The, nice. the divide between Legolas and Gimli on this podcast widens by the minute. Um, oh, are you, oh, Matt, are you a Disney person? Oh, I am. I, okay. 
Uh, yes. Short answer, <laughs> yes. Short answer. Uh, no, I mean, yeah. I, I objectively, I understand, you know, I know, yeah. I know it's a business. I know what they're doing. I'm not right. fooled by any of that. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm so much of a Star Wars shill that I'll just take all the content I can get yeah. at this yeah. point. So it's like I hate you so much, man. I and and so I, much. I can separate it too. You know, I can I can separate it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if there's if there's too much cream, you got to shave mm-hmm. that crap off. Yeah. It's not drinkable. Well, those elf eyes can see past all the bullshit. Um, <laughs> tell them, that's my favorite line in the movie. By the way, that's the one I think of. Your elf the eyes. Like those. <laughs> Use your your stupid elf eyes and see. (laughs) I love it so much. Legolas, what do your elf eyes see? The Uruk's turn northeast. Um, Tom, both of your points, actually, I had similar thoughts watching this because this is the first movie of the three, and it's a logical point for the story to do so, but it's the first time when we really get a sense of of the stakes, right? Like, at first, it's all uh, ethereal. I don't even know if that's the right word, but it's all. Um, what does it mean when it's just in your head? It's just a con- concept, you know. Like you hear, like, oh, these subjective. Rings. Sure, it's just like you hear about the ring. You hear about how it's dangerous, but this You're is the abstract. first time. I see. It's abstract. It's abstract yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. this is the first time where you get to meet some of the people of Middle Earth, like some of just the everyday folks that are living in Middle Earth, and you get to meet some of the different creatures that live in Middle Earth with the Ents and. You see how like this story really does affect and you really you really get a sense of the scope with with, you know, Frodo and Sam's journey through Middle Earth with Gollum. Like this, Mm -hmm. this really does this this issue really is everyone's issue. And it's Mm -hmm. just that you really get a sense of how important this really is. It really the first time it really hits you home. And for me, it's the first time I feel a real sense of dread in this story, like. Mm -hmm. In the Fellowship of the Ring, it's all about the adventure, and sure, the raids are scary and all that, but it just feels like a fun adventure with some with some friends. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a Balrog and all that stuff, and the Mines of Moria are scary, but like, the the whole Two Towers just has like a a feeling of dread to me, and I think a lot of what you said leads to that. Like, you're seeing the end of an age and the beginning of a new age. You're seeing sacrifices being made, and you're seeing all those things. And I think, yeah, I knew I knew you would have a good perspective on this, and I was very excited to hear it, but. Not quite as I was excited to hear Ben's point of view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's the introduction of the geopolitical. Mm-hmm. That's what you don't have in fellowship. This is where yeah. we learn there's these tensions that are global. You know, it's, it's only Middle totally. Earth or what have you, but mm-hmm. it's it's the introduction of that. Well, and we talked about uh, in our Matrix Reloaded episode, which I know you haven't listened to yet, they introduce a lot of political elements and and things like that in Matrix Reloaded. Like we see like a Senate meeting in Zion and stuff. And we've talked about mm. how they did similar things in Star Wars, you know, speaking about lamenting about uh, Star Wars stories. But this movie does it really well. Like when you say we introduce the geopolitical, we see courtrooms, we see, uh, uh, you know, court being held in these halls, you know, we we get to see some of that stuff, but it doesn't drag the story down or it does it still feels cool and interesting which i think is something that's uh very difficult to do because we've seen other people fail to do it well i can't go too much farther without hearing from legolas he's 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 a man of few <laughs> thank words I, thank you but, i suppose so <laughs> i guess but no uh, matt um i yeah i want to know i know this i know you like this movie uh we know we've had chats privately but um yeah i want to know i want to know your whole deal with it your all your thoughts yeah ben ben kind of 
asked about our top 25 movies. And so I, I threw mine up on Letterboxd and this one makes the cut into my top nice. 25. Um, but I was watching this and a lot of the scenes that I was anticipating and excited about were actually in Return of the King. So oh, no. That's after, awesome. after we've completed the trilogy, I'll have to reanalyze and see which yeah. one's actually belongs nice. up there. But yeah. I mean, I love this movie. I loved it. I saw it at midnight um, as a as a young teenager. The Helm's Deep scene was just like awesome in a way that I'd never experienced before. Uh, Tom kind of commented on that a little bit. That ride, that last ride um, yeah. with Theoden and Aragorn is just like so awesome. And you don't like at the at the moment, you're not even anticipating, you know, the arrival of some backup. You know, you're yeah. just right. You're just there along with them all for the battle, all for the glory. And so uh, um, I love that aspect of it. One of my favorite parts about the two towers and really my favorite part about most stories, especially when it comes to like justifying like a sequel trilogy is I love seeing the party get split up and yeah. seeing who's paired with who, what's the dynamic, what are they dealing with? And this one is just super interesting. Um, and, and the way those paths re-intersect is, is super interesting to me as well. You have Frodo and Sam who have are fighting over Gollum. And it's it's an interesting thing because you have Sam who's like the pure in heart who like wants to kill Gollum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you have Frodo who's like being corrupt by the ring who actually wants to spare him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, uh, Mary and Pippin who are, you know, abducted by orcs and then abducted by humans <laughs> who also may possibly have just as maybe just as big of a threat to the the overall uh, uh, goal as mm-hmm. uh, the orcs were but you get some depth with with faramir and you get to understand his and boromir's motivations a little bit more yeah and then the the whole helm's deep uh story arc and so just seeing the way that the story splits up but all ties together kind of tom said that the global perspective of things and that there's it's now become moving parts in several different areas uh in order for for this thing to conclude at some point and uh we hope it's we hope it's the romantic ending, but yeah. uh, but I did want to comment just on the trilogy overall. So I watched this movie and it was the day that Comic-Con dropped the Rings of Power trailer, mm. which I think looks awesome. Again, Tom, I know what Apple's doing or Amazon's <laughs> doing. They're they're uh, cashing in, baby. They, they're cashing in. Um, oh, I, I don't mind cashing in. I just yeah. don't like Star Wars. That's, a, you know, that's okay. That's I'm fair. all about cashing in. I, if, if, if you guys I hope to do so one me, day, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. One day I'll, I'll get rich. But uh, one of the distinct things I felt about like watching the trailer versus like watching this movie is is the elegance that Peter Jackson was able to capture. Yeah, as as he adapted the literature you know, on the big screen, which is something that even though that that series looks awesome and I can't wait, I'm excited to see it. It's missing from that trailer and it's probably going to be missing from that show. Yeah, I think they're going to be able to style things similarly as far as costuming and environment and all that. But man, the, the score and the the performances that Peter Jackson was able to glean from these actors and from these these scenes it just it has like this uh this I, I don't know how to describe it other than like an elegance to it. Even even the action sequences, yeah, even the epic sequences, mm-hmm. they have like this reverence 
I don't know, to the to to what it was. And uh, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Um, I, you know, I had the same experiences. I think all of you um, I've, I saw it in theaters right when it came out and Helm's Deep continues to be one of my favorite experiences watching a movie. Um, and I think the reason so is like a lot a lot what you were saying that because. You know, we've seen other epic battles like at this point at the first time I saw this movie, I'd seen Braveheart. I'd seen Saving Private Ryan. I had seen whatever, you know, I'd see I'd seen movies with epic battles and those are great. Like Saving Private Ryan is insane. The, the opening sequence of Saving Private Ryan is out of control. But I think there's. the Like the craft behind making Helm's Deep, a scene that was. Wildly intense super threatening very scary very ominous but at the, at the same time it was still accessible you know like there isn't a ton of crazy gore which i don't love gore i don't have a total problem with like especially in the context of like comparing it to say saving private ryan right like there's a context for the gore there there's a level of realism they're trying to achieve this movie is able to do that and give you all those same things without like making it inaccessible like this is an accessible movie for everyone you know to a certain point i wouldn't show it a kid those or or a guy are terrifying but I, I didn't really think about it very much until i saw that you'd written this matt like you're right there is there he has a very deft hand in the way that he shows everything like this feels you feel like you're in the fantasy with them right and i mean yeah i'm encouraged that at least the rings of power has the budget behind it to hopefully make it what peter jackson was able to craft but you're right there's like a it's like a this seems like a, a fairy tale it's it's it seems like something I, I appreciate that it's accessible to everyone i guess is what i'm trying to say and i think it's the elegance that you're speaking to mm-hmm. and i think the elegance that you're speaking to matt and i i think you're you're right about this um it, you know that that it is elegant but i think part of it is that it has a history when you look yeah. at these characters and look at these scenes they're they're clearly um, places that have a long, long story. And granted, this is all fake, right? right? Yeah. Made this. It's real to me. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but and, and that's what Tolkien does so well, is Tolkien establishes a history for these people. And that's why, you know, people want to go to Middle Earth. I don't know how many people here have read or watched Dune. No one wants to go into the Dune world, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, sure. Arrakis you know, looks like, like a <laughs> Arrakis kind of sucks. You're really thirsty, and unless you walk like an idiot, a worm will eat you. It, yeah. it, it's not <laughs> like, a good yeah. But I think people want to go to Middle Earth in part because there is, besides, it's it's beautiful, right? Um, but there is these these histories and these cultures, and that's what I feel is missing from the trailer, at least from the Rings of Power. And that's my worry: is those those things aren't going to, or that show isn't going to be respectful of depth mm-hmm. it might be very mm-hmm. exciting it might have very good characters but mm-hmm. um and, and one example of this from the two towers is when uh when eomir sings for the death of the yeah. the the Rohirrim prince mm-hmm. and she's singing in uh anglo-saxon if you know anything about that language that's that's mm-hmm. the old english language which is the language of of the Rohirrim, right um and it's it's kind of our history as well as English speakers. We used to, or our descendants used to speak Anglo-Saxon and evolved into English. Yeah. Um, and you see that relationship still there. Tolkien brings it out 
And Jackson and his linguistic experts uh, respect that. And so I think that's what makes, uh, to Matt's point about elegance, I think the yeah. elegance is, is a depth. It's, you know, a well of stuff that exists in every moment. Yeah, absolutely. Super cool. Like I got that a lot with the ends too, you know, just like, oh, something about to happen here that hasn't happened in a super long time. So they do a really good job of just kind of like, yeah, like you said, just like setting up the history here. I really enjoyed the geopolitical thing too. I know we talked on it, but I don't want to like take time for Matt, but I just, I, what, one thing I liked about it is I feel like we got different versions of how it affects people because, you know, there's the core group who like knows what's coming. So they're going to go prepare for battle. Then there's the Theoden. I don't know what that area is called, but they see like the threat coming and it's like, oh shit, we got to get out of here, you know? So like they can see the literal threat. And then there's the ants who have like already been kind of wiped out. And then, and then that's when they decided to like take actions. Like, you know, cause at first they're like, no, it doesn't really affect us. Like we're going to skip on this one. Yeah. I'll give you guys out to the South and then we're going to head out. And then he sees like what happens like, Oh, okay. Holy shit. All right. Now we're going to get involved. It's already kind of affected us. So it was kind of cool, a cool way to see how they all came together, I guess, for the cause, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for this third movie to kind of see how, how it all wraps up. But it was very interesting for me to see like what motivated the people to get involved, you know, like what it took for them to like have this sacrifice. And yeah, I think you guys have all hit on that, but that was a really great aspect of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything about this movie, the, from the the attention paid to linguistics and language to the sets to uh, to the design of it, the storytelling is all perfectly well crafted, um, and that craft bleeds over into the portrayal of each character. Because when I think of any character from Lord of the Rings, I immediately think about the characters from the movies, obviously because that's my main connection to the story, but because to it to my in my opinion, they're so perfectly cast. I don't have like a, a very long history or relationship with the books. I read them a very long time ago. I don't even frankly remember reading them, but I know that I did. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about the performances and the characters here. And I want to do so by introducing our Apollonia Award to this. Uh, movie we did it for the first movie i don't know if we'll do it for the third but basically uh the apollonia award is inspired by the character apollonia from purple rain uh we wanted to highlight characters outside of the protagonist that dominate a movie so like when you think of purple rain you think of prince to be sure you think of prince but you also think of apollonia they're sort of peanut butter and jelly they're sort of hand in hand you can't really think in my opinion, when I came up with this award, I when I think of Purple Rain, I think of Prince and Apollonia. So mm -hmm. it's a way, fun way to talk about supporting roles that we love and give them a little bit of shine. But since there's so many great characters here um, and you can make an argument, I mean, I, I think Frodo's the main protagonist, but you could make arguments for other characters as well. We're going to open it up to everyone. Everyone's on the table. So who gets your Apollonia? Tom. I'm going to give it to the head of the Urukai who says... Meats back on the menu, boys. Just because <laughs> yeah. here, here we have, yeah, we got a good leader, and the guy plays him well. Clearly, an athletic guy, so he's probably mm. like a stuntman or something dressed up. He looks terrifying, so he looks great, and that's a great line reading, right? Yeah, it's really um, so good. Yeah, it was so good. I didn't look up the guy's name. Typically, I would. Um, I don't want to know it. I just he's <laughs> right. going to be. 
the Orakai in my mind. And I'm going to say somewhere out there, Middle Earth exists. And even though Sauron has been defeated, this one freaking Orakai is still going about his business. I'm going to say he became a farmer. That's my story for him. So that's that's my award is going to raising his cattle. Yeah, I Mm. I dig that. That's another really good meme meme moment from the movie. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm glad you called that out. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. That, that was it was that for me too like when that happened i was like oh okay yeah that's it like i knew it was from lord of the rings i just didn't know when it was coming so there are like so yeah. many of those times like oh okay cool that's what this is mine for this one it's uh andy circus as you know Gollum and schmeagle like i think that performance we i guess i assumed we were gonna see more of him in the first one i thought that we saw more but um i feel like he does a lot of lifting in this and does such a great job um i mean i don't know this is all off IMDb trivia, but apparently he was just coming down for three weeks of voiceover work, but yeah. Peter Jackson liked what he was doing so much physically that that's when they decided to do like the motion capture. And I'm like, hmm. man, that's pretty rad. You know, like yeah. you're doing such a good job that now we're going to like create this, you know, technology or, you know, utilize this technology. So yeah, I don't know. I liked it a lot. There's so much of the back and forth. There's that scene obviously where there's like literally, this starts out with a really cool camera pan, you know, to like to go to the other sides, you know, from the golem to the Schmeagle, which is kind of rad. But then we just start doing hard cuts of the back and forth. And I don't know, I thought it was a really good performance. I thought he killed it. Um, and yeah, for me, he was, he's the Apollonia award winner for this movie. I mean, I certainly, I shouldn't argue that I'm going to in a minute. Cool. Cause I have a All different right. pick mainly because we have to, but I think that's a solid pick. I mean, you can't think about Lord of the Rings without thinking about the ring and the precious and Gollum and Smeagol and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, Matthew, who do you have for Apollonia here? Just, just commenting on Ben's real quick. Look, this is to the listeners. If you have a Gollum impression, which many of us do, <laughs> keep it up. Okay. Yeah. People are going to try to, people are going to try to silence Thank you. You, you yeah. keep it up. It's funny every time. <laughs> I, have, I haven't broken mine out for a while, but I do have yeah. one. I think I lost it. I was actually like embarrassingly kind of like practicing it as I was watching. I was like, can I still do Gollum? Do I, I can't and I will spare you. But I used to be a thing I did quite a bit uh, too much to my friend's chagrin. I remember there was a specific camping trip when I wouldn't let it go. And yeah, P- people will get annoyed. Don't stop. The next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. I appreciate yeah. it. I also I I teach at a college, and mm. it, this is twenty years old at this point. They don't think they know who Gollum is. <laughs> so if you can do a Gollum impression to a very young person, they yeah. won't know what's going on. It'll be super <laughs> creepy. So it's it's, yeah. it's a double win. Yeah, win win. <laughs> New Girl reference. I haven't done this in a while. There's an episode of New Girl where Zoe Deschanel's character keeps quoting lines from Urkel to young people across the hall and they don't know it's from a tv show and they think she's hilarious yeah oh, that's awesome. roll a clip ben roll it <laughs> did i do that where'd you get that just came to me it's so funny i just thought of it that's how she casts a role what so mine mine might be the same guy as tom's um we'll pretend it's a different guy just so i don't ruin it by giving the actor's name but it was nathaniel lees who was in the matrix trilogy 
Mm. Um, he's he's the other guy in the Senate meeting. I think like the main the main dude that's like counter Morpheus. Okay. okay. Yeah, I thought like independent. What what caught his attention for me was uh, or caught my attention for him was that he was like hell bent on bringing these hobbits alive to Saruman. Yeah. Mm. And we think of these orcs just like these chaotic beings, but they will follow orders. Yeah. And uh, to to Tom's point, maybe this guy got away and uh, is living a life as a farmer because he's not like the other orcs. <laughs> there are no rules in this house. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. He lives a life of order. He knows <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He's trying to get the job done. He's got bills long, to pay. As long as someone gave him the right orders. It, yeah. it is. Yeah. I, I actually remembered. I thought about this as I was watching it this time. When we see the orcai being like pulled from the earth, you know, from the from the goo, and they immediately are like following orders and like letting people like grab their chins and like inspect their teeth and stuff. And I'm like, these beasts were just ripped from the ether, <laughs> and like they're just going to come out and immediately be okay. Like they are. They can follow orders. They're they're born but, and bred to follow orders. Mm-hmm. It seems. But Ugluck, which is the name of this orc, he uh he's not gonna eat he's not gonna eat the hobbits. He's not gonna eat the no, boss's hobbits, it. but he yeah. will he will eat another orc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's got lines in yeah. boundary. Yeah, I mean everyone has to have you know everyone's got a code, right? I like it. <laughs> I have been going through it with this award personally. When I think when I first watched this movie, I would have begrudgingly chosen Legolas. I had like an amazing i was amazingly jealous of legolas i wanted to be like legolas so bad i wanted to be like tall the elf athletic. Eyes. i wanted to have the mm-hmm. elf eyes i do have good eyesight i have that going for me but you know the way he, he, he grabs I'll never, <laughs> I'll never forget how he grabs the horse and swings onto it during battle slides down the stairs shooting his bow like he does so many cool things and i, I would have given this award to him upon first viewing over time it w- stiff shifted to Gimli. And then maybe I would give it to the two of them together, their relationship. Um, as I was watching this movie, I was I felt like I was going to give it to Aragorn. I felt like I love Aragorn and all the movies. But in this viewing of this movie, I just thought he was doing a, he was just doing a lot. He was carrying not carrying the movie, but he was my favorite thing about the movie. But then we get to Helm's Deep and. And a very first for this podcast, I'm not going to give my Apollonia to a person, but I'm going to give it to a place or a concept. Uh, And I'm just going to give it to the Battle of Helm's Deep and Helm's Deep in general. I love the look of it. I love the lore of it. Uh, We talked about world building earlier and you get a sense Mm -hmm. of how many times they've Mm -hmm. retreated to Helm's Deep and and fought off how many thousands of, of enemies. So I just love it. And when I think of this movie, I think of Helm's Deep. And so in the spirit of the award, when you think of a movie, this is the person you think of. But in this case, it's a place and it's Helm's Deep. And it's it's just my favorite thing. I don't know. It's it's so much so that I forget that other things happen after it starts. (laughs) (laughs) In my memory, it's always we start at Helm's Deep and it's like a half an hour long and then the movie ends. And every time it's not the case and we go to Osgiliath and you know, we hang out with Treebeard and 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 rightfully so. Like we need a break. There's a lot happening at Helm's Deep, but it it's so dominant in my memory that I just think the whole last half of the movie is Helm's Deep. And it's never the case. And I'm always a little bit surprised at how much <laughs> non-Helm's Deep stuff happens towards the end. But yeah, it's the first. We make the rules, we break the rules. 
Helm's Deep is my Apollonia here. I did appreciate you going through like eight honorable mentions before yeah. you finally got to. Like, <laughs> first, I was going to do this person. And well, then, then I just decided to break the rules. <laughs> I wanted you, I wanted you to know my thought process here. I wanted you to know <laughs> it, it. it wasn't something, it wasn't a decision I made lightly. Mm-hmm. I wanted to stick to no. the rules. You I know appreciate I mean? that. Uh, yeah i respect it after rubbing in your great eyesight and after we already know about all your walls (laughs) you have and then all your honorable mentions i love it (laughs) i also like the idea of all of these people waiting to see if they can get the award and hearing your thought process oh it's gonna (laughs) be me it's gonna be me it's like no it's a big thing of stone first time ever it's a location i mean (laughs) pile of stones all of the people i mentioned were at helms deep and paid and played crucial pivotal roles in the battle. I can't wait for the the Oscars next year. They're doing best actors. Like, actually, we're just going to give it to San Francisco. That's what we need is that guy who's holding the moonlight. Actually, Moonlight, you won. We're going to do this for Helms Deep. That's what we need. Matt, will you whip that up? Get the intern to do that. Yeah. Helms Deep. Get the intern. (laughs) Well, so since we're here and we're talking about the actors in the movie, we've just sung the praises, mostly of actors. Some of us broke the rules a little bit. Um, but I want to throw all that out the window and I want to do like a miniature emergency recast, not because we want to, but because we have to let's, let's pretend that we are the showrunners of this new series coming out and we have to introduce one of the characters from these movies in some sort of flash forward sequence. But this character that you are recasting is unavailable. So you have to recast them. Who would you re- which character would you choose and who would you choose to recast them with? Uh, and our esteemed guest is going to go first. Unless he doesn't want to, you can so, you can tell me you don't want oh, to. We've had guests do that. <laughs> I go. Oh, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that was the last one, right? Oh, the last one I listened to. Yeah. She, uh, yeah. Kayla. She's yeah. heard. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm, they don't. Yeah. They don't like to go yeah. first very much. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm. I'm ready. So I had to. I'll start with uh, Daniel Radcliffe as Peregrine Two. Um, okay. I Perry. Perry is a little bit of the dumber one between perry and, yeah. perry. Uh, and and i think daniel radcliffe would be a good hobbit he's hobbit-esque isn't he mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know so i think he could play any hobbit but i think a little wide-eyed perry would be very good my yeah. other one that's was why i wore my hufflepuff shirt today was how oh yes how much radcliffe and elijah well, wood <laughs> would get mixed up for each other <laughs> and radcliffe is doing yeah. this thing in his career it seems where he's just taking on the weirdest roles possible so sure throw him in make him be five feet and play pip because how tall is he yeah. normally He's small. Daniel yeah. Radcliffe? Is he? Yeah. If you remember from this movie, uh, uh, Peregrine is 3'6", right? That's right. Yeah, he says the that. tall one. Mm-hmm. That was a cool part. Yeah, he's I the tall one. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other one I was thinking was, you know Jack Houston from the Houston line? He was mm-hmm. in Boardwalk Empire was his biggest role. He played the guy with half a face. Um, okay. And he is a, he's oh, okay. part of the, okay. yeah, the Houston family. And he's a... Uh, um, a very good British actor, but I think he would okay. be a good worm tongue. Nice. Um, he's got a little like skinny, creepy vibe. Um, and plus you get that kind of, you get the, you know, the Houston family dynasty. Yeah. Their, oh, their, yeah. their gold mm. will shine upon this television show. We're hypothetically <laughs> casting. Yes. <laughs> so those are my two recasts. Nice. Okay. I like that. I like it. Um, Matthew, who are you recasting here? Oh man, I, I've got a couple of recasts as well. First, we got to go, and I, I didn't want to do this, but I felt inspired, and I'm recasting Gandalf, and mm. I'm recasting him with former President of the United States, the late 
or over Cleveland. <laughs> Let's do it. And uh, you, you are you, right to do this. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I, Tell me or, why. I, I, do, I don't hate you as much anymore. I, you know, it's we're, mending a we're little bonding. bit. I love Starting it. to bond, yeah. Yeah. Tom, why would Grover Cleveland make a great Gandalf? Uh, He actually wouldn't. Uh, I mean, (laughs) like Gandalf is very much like a, um, uh, what's his name? A Winston Churchill type. Mm. Like, you know, we need to be aggressive and go out there and and fix the problem. Grover Cleveland was very much more in the isolationist camp. He was very much like, no, you can't colonize Hawaii. Hawaii is a place that needs to be independent. You just can't do this to people. So Marvin actually, Elrond. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Grover Cleveland would be, you would recast Elrond with Grover Cleveland. I love that. Okay. There we go. All right. So my 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 real recast would be Eomer, and I'd use I, I would hate to replace right. Carl Urban. Love the guy. Looks great on horseback. Uh, but I would go with Diego Luna. Yeah, this is okay. a good one. This is a good one. And but part of that's because I and I know the new Rings of Power is sort of addressing this. I didn't really recognize this until, you know, recent events started pointing this out everywhere. But this is a very white trilogy. It's It's a very. Everyone in Middle Earth is white trilogy. Yeah. And I, you know, that was the world that it was written in. But uh, yeah, bring in Diego and uh, spice it up a little bit. I like it. I'm glad you made that point because it's something I wanted to talk about during the Apollonia. I thought it was funny as I was reading everyone's answers and thinking about doing the Apollonia. There's literally two women in this movie and neither of them were picked. Uh, so, you know, mm. shouts to <laughs> shouts to Liv Tyler and the woman whose name I'm forgetting at the moment, uh, Miranda Otto, who plays Eowyn. I actually really did like Eowyn's character. I forgot how much of a badass yeah, she awesome. is and how much she really does want to to join the fight and i really love cook horrible cook just the worst she's a fighter man she's not a cook (laughs) but i really did love the way that she accepted her role like it was begrudging but she like accepted and excelled at it you know what i mean despite you know being probably could have been useful on the battlefield they needed all the help they can get um but i really did like like her character and uh Liv Tyler is a literal goddess in not only in this movie, but in real life. So shouts to the two women in this movie. But it's true. I, th- it I is... thought it was funny. I thought it was funny that Aragorn is, you know, soaking wet in the river when he has that <laughs> dream. Yeah. Of, uh, <laughs> oh, I see. I see where you're going with this. Of Liv Tyler. <laughs> Three films after so dark, funny. baby. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Steve. I also love yeah. that everywhere Aragorn goes, the whatever woman is in the movie falls in love with him. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Who's I like, mean, who's to, who's to blame them? But yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. But anyway, Carl we'll, Urban we, sitting there like, wait a second. We can get back to our recaps. I just wanted to. I just wanted to point that out. I just wanted. To uh, sure. Do you know what Ar- the original Aragorn was in the books? Mm-hmm. Um, he was another hobbit. It was Trotter the Hobbit who was famous for wearing wooden shoes. Okay. And Tolkien oh. wisely thought that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's switch this up a little bit. Yeah, good call. I like that. Guy knows what he's doing, apparently. Um, my pick was again, like I think this being the first watch, I felt weird swapping out anybody at first. Yeah. Um, so I was gonna go with Treebeard. Uh, and I just, you know, instinctively went with like who I think is one of the you know, more, I don't know, well-known voiceovers actors is James Earl Jones. Uh, yeah. We talked about how much we love star Wars on here, but 
I'm like, oh, it can be kind of cool. You know, we got Mufasa, we got Vader, like let's let him be Treebeard. I think that'd be kind of rad. And then I realized it's the same dude, John Reese Davies, who also plays Gimli, yeah. who does the voice for Treebeard, which I didn't oh. know. And it makes sense, I guess, with the way they look. So then, you know, at the risk, like, I mean this in a, in a very correct way, but it's like, I think it'd be cool if Peter Dinklage did both because I liked him a lot as E-Tree in the yeah. uh, Infinity War, like playing that, you know, huge character and you know, a much different voice and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I think he could pull off both as well. So, uh, and I mean, with Game of Thrones, we obviously kind of like him in that whatever kind of style. So yeah, I don't know. Kind of a toss up between the two. If I'm, if I'm going to do both, I'm going to like swap out the actor I would go with Dinklage if I'm just doing Treebeard's voice. I'd, I'd like to put James Earl Jones there because I always like hearing him. This is why I love having you on the pod for so many reasons, but I never thought even for a second of Dinklage, which after I just got on my soapbox about making sure that women are represented, like to have, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we should probably yeah. have the dwarf character played by a little person. Yeah, Dinklage. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like that's probably the way we should go with this. Um, so yeah, that's a phenomenal pick. And I'm not going to allow you to do James Earl Jones. You have to do Peter Dinklage. Okay, you have fair to enough to make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, you know, so when I thought of this character, it's and I was it was uh, the scene like when Matt talked about Aragorn in the river, and Arwen visits him in his dreams. I w- I was watching her, and I thought, you know, she's so per- everyone's so perfectly cast, and she's such a perfect elf, a perfect elf princess. I was like, who who would who could you recast her with? Obviously, you have like Anne Hathaway, who's like a literal carbon copy of Liv Tyler. Um, I thought um, I'm doing it again. I'm doing all my honorable mentions first. I thought uh, Anya Taylor Joy <laughs> would be fun, but then as I was thinking about it, for whatever reason, it popped in my head. I I really want to see Giancarlo Esposito uh, yeah. or Esposito play uh, Saruman. I think yeah. he has a level of menace that he can portray after, you know, seeing him play Gus and Breaking Bad that I think would make Saruman because Saruman, he seems like a threat, but he doesn't seem scary to me in the two towers. And I want to see him be hmm. scary. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see him be truly menacing. Uh, and I think, well, I know that my good personal friend Giancarlo could do that very well and i don't know why i just i just popped in my head i was gonna go with arwen and anya taylor joy but uh then i was like nope it's gotta be Giancarlo, and i want to see him be an evil any qualms any qualms for anyone not for me (laughs) i like Um, joy as um eowyn i do like that casting but i'll I'll see your Giancarlo. that's why i had to sneak it in there i was like i gotta at least shout it out because i was very proud of myself Mm. but the last minute, literally, as I was typing out my answer, I was like, no, I want Giancarlo. <laughs> so, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, we've all professed that we love this movie. It's one, you know, at least three, or at least two of ours, you know, 50% of this podcast right now is their favorite movie, right? <laughs> Everyone yeah. else at least really liked it. But I want to know, if you had to convince someone like Ben to see it for the very first time, and you could show them one scene, you're in an elevator, we got to give an elevator pitch. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You can show one scene from the movie or moment from the movie. What would you choose to entice them, Tom? I would do the dream of Aragorn. So when Aragorn falls off the cliff, he has this dream of Eowyn, which then transitions into kind of Eowyn's history, where, um, you know, it's it's sort of a, a, a Middle Earth version of 
DMing. Um, but <laughs> he he's thinking of Eowyn, and then you see Eowyn's uh history with her father, and then she's going to leave Rivendell. I think she's in Rivendell at that point. And then so, she yeah. turns around and comes back. And you have this kind of really dreamlike uh, and kind of beautiful sequence. And I think sequences like these are what makes this movie so much more special than fi- similar films, you know, similar mm-hmm. fantasy mm-hmm. films or action films. Um, it's, it's a beautifully shot scene. And you see the sacrifice that she is going to make and it's presented to her. And then you also see the elves leaving. And I think the kind of tragedy of her story, which really is a tragedy. I mean, if you not to jump too much in the books, but if you read about her death in the books, if you go into the appendices, they talk about her death. Mm. She dies alone. She's buried and her grave is forgotten. They don't even know where she is anymore. She and her grave are just forgotten. (laughs) Yeah, it's devastating. Wow. It's, it's absolutely devastating. Wow. And I, I honestly don't think the movie, even though it's not dramatizing that particular aspect of the book, I don't think it's steering away from that either. Right. I think, again, this captures that kind of loss. And it's also just sort of hallucinogenic and strange. And it gives you the, the, the complexity that I think this movie is, is giving to its audiences. Mm-hmm. It's a cool scene to show in a movie like this that's marked with scenes like, you know, meeting the Orakai and, and the army and the March on Helm's Deep, all of that. Like, th- this movie is pretty dark, you know, thematically, and and it's, there's lots of violence and there's lots of scary shit in here. So I like that scene for an elevator pitch because it could help remind a viewer that like, it's not all about scary orcs and, and battle yeah. scenes and, and running yeah. across Middle Earth, you know, like there's there's some there's there's real love here there's like real weight and some cool pathos and storytelling so i think yeah i dug that scene that's really cool very cool Mm, um benjamin what would you show someone as the Um, one newest to the movie yeah i know right um mine is i I really enjoyed the scene i think you know we talked about everything that the mouse owns um i know marvel gets a lot of shit sometimes for undercutting serious scenes with humor or whatever you know kind of doing that but there was moments in this movie where that happened and I really enjoyed it. Like as they're prepping for Helm's deep and it's like, you know, the camera's panning across and we just see like the top of Gimli's helmet. It's like, this is like, this is the best place you can pick, you know, it's like, (laughs) there's some funny stuff in there. Um, and I really enjoy when they're sneaking around the side and he's like, throw me, you know, which I think, and in the first movie, he's like, don't ever throw me. Right. Like he was just like, yeah. So that was kind of cool to see that kind of callback. But before then, when he's just like, don't tell the elf, you know, it's like, I got a yeah. good kick out of that. Cause it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I could just see like, he cannot know about this. Like, yeah. I'll do this cause we need to win, but don't tell anybody. And I just thought that was super funny. Like, I know it's a scene that's like, you know, this culmination of like Helm's Deep and we're kind of coming up to the end of it. So I don't necessarily want to ruin that, but I also kind of feel like I'm one of the only people in my age group who hasn't seen this. So I don't know who would like it to be spoiling it for, but yeah, maybe <laughs> that just specific scene. I think everything else would still have an impact and pay off and watching it. But just that little clip where they like sneak out that side door and get thrown over there. That's just like a basic fight scene that I don't think spoils too much and has a little totally. humor in it. So I like yeah. that. Yeah. It's like, again, it speaks to the, the overall craft of the movie because you're right. Like there, you can make the criticism in a lot of movies. Like, you're leaning on humor undercutting the, mm-hmm. the moment, but the like in this movie, like they're so perfectly placed. Like you need these yeah. moments of levity. Like 
like that moment with Gimli and his helmet, like that comes around the same time that the Orkai are pounding their yeah, yeah. staffs into the ground and we see what it sounds like from beneath. And like that's that's still terrifying to me. I still get scared mm-hmm. every time I watch it. Like I feel true anxiety and dread. Like, oh god damn, this is so Yeah, thinking about scary. being in the caves with the women and the children, like that would be fucking mm-hmm. so intense. Totally. But yeah, we get a lot of Gimli, you know, jokes there too. It's just like with Legolas, like, do you want me to lift you up or do you want me to get you a box? You know, and like just <laughs> and they just like were able to like laugh with each other, you know. It's so yeah. I don't know. I, well, I I really enjoyed all that. There's also a human tendency in like serious moments just in our lives to yeah. find yeah. some levity. Um totally. we're not like trying to crack jokes necessarily, but trying to make light of something that, you know, mm-hmm. is awful. Like no, or really they're they're facing their doom. And I feel like this felt a little more honest than maybe the way Marvel does it. Which yeah. yeah, I'm not complaining about Marvel. Like you know what it is, uh, but it did feel different. It felt like welcome because it felt like I could see people facing battle, like potentially their death, maybe their last day alive. Like yeah, trying to make the best of it. Yep, exactly. Totally. Yeah, yeah. The stakes are higher, mm-hmm. right? When you watch Captain America, I'm gonna fight the other the Iron Guy. <laughs> yeah. you, mm. wait, Captain America is that Captain America three where they have to fight each other? Yeah, um, that's Civil War, but yeah. You, oh, yes. Yeah, Civil yeah, War. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Captain America. But it's the third one. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's that scene where they line up to fight one another. The the comedy there doesn't undercut the severity of the moment because you really get the impression no one is actually going to really lose yeah. their life yeah. here. Yeah. So, I, mean, I know, I know the, um, the one of the characters, Rhodey, uh, can't, you know, he, he gets partially mm-hmm. paralyzed or temporarily paralyzed or something but there's yeah, really no sense of of uh right. of stake in that scene yeah and i think totally. that's the comedy undercuts the, the undercutting that the comedy does it relieves tension because the tension is really really great yeah. Um, yeah. you know they're coming to eliminate these people and by all accounts these people should be eliminated this army this orc army is large enough to do it yeah. so i think that's why the the uh that works so much better than those those marvel films when you say the org not only is their army big enough to do it but there's so many moments where like in pursuit of you know eradicating these humans they like injure each other and cast each other into their Mm -hmm. doom like when they raise these ladders like people the orcs just go flying when they do it the battering ram they're just pushing their own by design they create yeah. a shield and just like push the, uh, presumably killing all these orcs on their way to ram the the wall so it's just like in the face of something like that for their for to be able to laugh at anything and it's a very welcome it's a very welcoming thing to be able to get a chuckle here and there for sure you're, you're absolutely right matt you haven't given us yours right you haven't given us your elevator oh right? i have not yeah okay um well, please do mine would be and we already talked about this scene, but I love, I would love to show the sequence of Mary and Pippin at the orc camp at night, mm. um, the infighting amongst the orcs, and then their eventual slaughter by the riders of, uh, was it, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought that was crazy because like they like you don't even know what to expect. Like first they want to eat the, the hobbits, then they're infighting, and like just moments later they're slaughtered. And yeah, that's just that buildup is just like insane. And so I'd love to show that to someone and be like, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yep. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lord, of the, yeah. Lord of the Rings, baby. Um, 
I like I like that because that's like we get a pretty cool like Deus Ex Machina sort of thing. Like all of a sudden, the like it's it's set up that the writers are out there, they're doing their thing, but it's it comes at just the right moment. It, mm-hmm. This movie does this a few times where all hope seems to be lost, and then all of a sudden something comes in and saves the day but it doesn't feel cheap because it was so well set up you know like mm-hmm. ben you mentioned it earlier like we don't you didn't know that it was gandalf that comes back to save the day and tom you talked about it like you sort of forget when they go out for their last ride uh aragorn and and uh, theoden like you almost forget that gandalf said he'll be back you know that gandalf's coming and so when those things happen, like the payoff is, is so good. And you're seen as a perfect example without being too spoilery of how, of how well set up it is. Mm-hmm. So I just said that your pick is not spoilery. We all know that I love to pick non-spoilery scenes uh, for my, for my elevator pitches, but I want to show Saruman revealing his army to warm tongue because mm-hmm. I would love to be able to show someone Helm's deep because I think if you showed everything up to when the orcs are pounding their spears and right up and fade and says, so it begins. If you cut there, like I think anyone would want to know what happens next, but I don't want any of that spoiled for our hypothetical viewer. Right. So I yeah. want to show them the first time that, you know, Saruman reveals his army to worm tongue and, you know, worm tongue cries and all that stuff, because you get a sense of like how, in, you know intimidating and threatening this army is and how this is this is bad right so you would mm-hmm. I, I feel like you would want to know like how do how does this get resolved and how do we how do our heroes save the day because i think we all would assume that that's what happens <laughs> but i guess you never know but yeah that that would be my pick that's a great pick i, all I did want to picks. i wanted to highlight that tyler your pick reminded me i love that there's a scene where like uh saruman's down in like that orc pit where they're fabricating these orcs and he has like an argument with like an a manager orc <laughs> I that, the, that dynamic yeah. was funny yeah, yeah. Like, what's going on here oh, i'm sorry <laughs> sir we can't like, Walk in the factory floor. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that yeah i want to see what like, what do the orcs do on their lunch break Right, like <laughs> Saruman, yeah. undercover Complain. boss, like us. Oh, so yeah. What do you guys do down here? Like, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> oh, that's such a good bit. That. Wish that bit existed <laughs> somewhere. Wow. Oh, SNL did that with Kylo Ren. Right. Uh, yeah, SNL did undercover boss with Kylo Ren, so I don't think you could repeat it. Oh man, well, I though. still want to see it. I don't, you know, give, <laughs> give me all the Lord of the Rings uh, content you've got. We've talked at length about. You know, a lot of things, mostly Helm's Deep, I feel like. It's just Apollonia winner Helm's it, Deep. It, it leans it, it it looms so large in my heart and in my mind about this movie. And I think it's a perfect opportunity to talk about our favorite battle sequences in all of cinema history. So we are going to take over, take ourselves over. We're gonna point this fellowship towards uh Rushmore Mountain. We're going to fill out our best battle sequence Rushmore Mountain. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? Uh, The idea here is we're each going to pick one to make up four total picks. We used to do four each, totaling 16, but uh, we've changed the rules and we're each going to give one Tom. Actually, you know what? I'll just tip my hand. Helm's Deep is mine. Uh, We've talked about it enough. I can't make this list and not have Helm's Deep on it. So Helm's Deep gets my pick. Tom, what, what gets yours? I'm going to go with uh, Orson Welles' film Chimes at Midnight. 
Okay. Which mm-hmm. is, if anybody knows that, has anybody seen that movie? Not. I have not. I it is an excellent. You, you had me at Orson Welles. Yeah, it's an excellent movie. It's Orson Welles' adaptation of Shakespeare's Henriad cycle. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's Henry the Fourth, one, two, Henry the Fifth, and um, mm-hmm. a little bit of Richard the Second too. Though he's he's more focused on uh, a, a character named Falstaff. And there's a battle in there between um, the, the person who will become Henry V and his opponent, a character named Hotspur. And you don't really see them, you just see the battle. And it's really more from Falstaff, uh, this knight's perspective. And Falstaff, played by Orson Welles, is a very fat and very cowardly knight, and he's hiding out and trying, you know, what have you. And this battle sequence is absolutely brutal. And, and, you know, horses are going back and forth it's in, in cut incredibly fast. And it ends with these knights in the ground in mud. And they're just coming out of the mud and like fighting each other <laughs> at this point, incredibly tired. And just um, and, and, and you see this sort of it's a very heroic movie. And these plays are very heroic. This is Henry V is, is in this cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Where Henry V, you know, um, the, 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 the friends. Uh, countrymen brothers whatever you know whatever that speech was that he says right right but um this battle um is it sort of shows the 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 kind of damaging side of war right that even within this heroic framework Mm. uh, at the end these people are reduced to kind of these mud creatures who are just sort of stabbing each other and slapping each other um, completely covered in filth. It's an absolutely yeah. devastating and brilliant battle sequence in a really beautiful movie. And I would recommend anybody see Chimes at Midnight. It's a fantastic film. It just added That's it awesome. to my letterbox watch Same list. Here. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's crazy. Incredible. I know some of the Henry the Fourth stuff and Henry the Fifth is also like a very loose inspiration for my own private Idaho. So I'm just trying to figure out how these, like what the Venn diagram oh, really? is on these two movies here. <laughs> wow. Like there's like, well, our uh, this crossover. Mm-hmm. I love it. There's our drive-in. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it, we, we, we didn't have time for the drive-in tonight. Adam's pissed, but at least we mentioned it, right? We, yeah, we exactly. We had bit. to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool, man. I, I, uh, I definitely, I just, I, like I said, I added that instantly to my watch list and uh, I'll definitely check it out. It sounds really mm-hmm. cool. I love a, I'm obviously a sucker for a good battle scene. So I really appreciate the recommend and, uh, mm-hmm. you, you described it beautifully. Um, Matthew, where would you go here? Oh man, mine's, that's actually a recent movie that I saw. Um, I don't know if anyone else has watched RRR on Netflix. No, but yeah, I've been yeah. seeing so much about it. I'm, I'm going to go add that to my watch list also. So it's, maybe we it's need a, to cover it. It's a three-hour movie, but it does have an intermission. It's Tollywood, uh, nice. so it's Indian cinema. It's got some of the most insane battle sequences I've ever seen. Okay. And okay. if you take the energy uh, from from the Aragorn Theoden, the Aragorn Theoden energy when they're like, "Let's let's do this last ride," and put it, it spread it across a three-hour movie. That's the energy of this movie. <laughs> Okay. Uh, that, that that's the vibe it's but like it's Hollywood, so you also have some song and dance in there <laughs> okay nice. yeah i've seen like so that. much about this on tw- it's like trending on twitter recently and i'm just like this seems like an experience that needs to be had well, yeah. I, I i wouldn't even want to describe one of the scenes just because i mean one it'd be spoiler but it'd be so unbelievable and you also wouldn't believe me how awesome it is based <laughs> off of how i'm describing it okay you just better watch it okay yeah. it's called rrr three yep. r's Okay. Nice. 
It's now on my watch yeah. list. Gosh, it's hard. We can't even talk about that one because no one else has seen it. But it, well, I guess no one had seen Tom's well, either. So that, well, I, look I at you. Just, you you two have say, more in common than you think. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's, I, it's coming together. It's coming yeah, together. Yeah, I, I'm begrudgingly seeing you as a brother. Yeah. <laughs> I like. It. Um, uh, I mean, I'll I'll just say that RRR. Um, I I've been a I've been a a critic of the the modern day use of the shaky cam in action movies, yeah. just because oh, of how God, lazy yeah. it feels compared to, you know, a lot of other filmmakers who compose every single shot, <laughs> and um, this is just so very well composed and choreographed that you're you're watching one shot and it's just bananas how much is happening on the screen and yeah like like i said just something you got to experience i recommend it to everybody if you're listening to this podcast check out rrr um it might be your first you know indian cinema movie and it's a great one to start off with yeah sweet i dig it benjamin aragorn Uh, what would you do here here we are uh i mean i thought of a couple uh you know one that we've covered on here uh was paths of glory that suicide mission oh yeah that's go a really on, good one. i think it's a very mm-hmm. cool shot very cool battle um obviously like the beginning of saving private ryan that's just a classic you know uh omaha beach scene and dunkirk all that stuff but the one i went with was portals uh from endgame yeah just that you know kind of final battle there's just so much like we talked on this movie with Helms Deep about how everyone's like coming together and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think the end game, they were like, it's a 23 movie battle. You know what I mean? It's like culminating all this kind of stuff together. Yeah. There's so much that goes into it. So just one of the cooler scenes I remember experiencing in the theater. And I just felt like it needed to be on here. Everything from, you know, Black Panther coming out of that first portal, uh, the fight leading up to it, all that kind of stuff. So uh it's an awesome scene and just a huge payoff for that whole first phase or you know first saga whatever for the mcu so that's how it go with endgame yeah. portals well i love that pick and i also want to say that there's no way you get that scene without helm steve yeah totally the, the way that, that stuff, yeah. the way that they built up the gandalf arrival yeah and then mm-hmm. the way that falcon comes in with the on your left sort yeah of thing. it's like oh man that was, yeah, was that had cool. to have been studied yeah. Well, and like, you know, I could sense a little bit of like, uh, I don't want to say embarrassment or whatever while you were describing that. And I can also see your notes in the doc. Like you didn't want to necessarily make this pick because there are a lot of great picks, but like that for at least the three of us, Tom, you seem to have some issues with the Marvel movies. I don't know if you have quite as much of a connection. I, this moment, I actually think Endgame is not only a good movie. I think it's a beautiful movie. Right. So Endgame is I I and I I pick on Marvel. I enjoy about right, rightfully so. Yeah. But it's like mm-hmm. that moment and Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> that moment was like oh, a I seminal so moment in our shared history. Right. Like yeah. that was a a huge cultural moment for so many people. You know, myself included, and probably a lot of our listeners. I think a lot of people, even like my girlfriend, who who doesn't really watch a lot of the same movies I do, and certainly doesn't watch any of the Marvel movies she watched just that scene. It came across like her, her feed on some social media thing. And she watched just that scene and she was taken by it. Like she got emotional by that scene. So like, yeah, it's a phenomenal scene. I, I just, you know, I, I know that you have, you know, you're a confident person and you, you can 
you don't need me to justify your picks, but I could sense, I could sense it in your voice that you were hesitant to make that pick. And I also, I could see your notes here, but I think it's worthy of, of the choice. I mean, they're oh, saving totally. private Ryan's phenomenal. And there's a lot of other play, picks you can make, mm. but I think end game is absolutely a Rushmore pick. Well, why were you hesitant then? I don't know. I think it just, it felt like a very, like, I mean, to the point that we've, we changed one of our clubhouse questions because so many people were answering like, what was your favorite theater experience? Like, portals and end game and like and yeah it's amazing you know so it's just like i guess i sometimes just feel weird doing like the populist answer you know it's like oh it's it's like it's the biggest battle for the biggest franchise that's ever existed paying yeah. off 23 movies you know it's just like oh wow ben did you dig deep for that one like you know what i mean it's just yeah, like you I wanted to be more of a grover of cleveland yeah, yeah exactly it's like well, man, how much time do you spend yeah. on that one but it's like if i'm honest with myself though like i that was like i you know was crying in the theater and stuff like it just yeah i think it's, for a lot of people it meant a lot a so yeah. Oh, yeah yeah it's it's a lot of fun especially in the theaters but it's it's even rewatching it on on disney plus which i i still have nice. uh <laughs> despite despite obi-wan kenobi the mouse um, gets your money that, yeah that movie here. does uh yeah no that that movie does really have an impact, and I guess it is just this kind of build up from from these past films or whatnot. Yeah, but well, I think like the even you know the scene is very touching, also. Totally, mm-hmm. and the fact that they did it like that could have easily not worked. Like the fact that they made it all work and put it together and made it effective is an achievement in and of itself. And like, you know, I could see being hesitant because maybe you think, oh, it's a recency bias thing because there are other objectively great battle scenes, but. I don't know, man. I feel like uh, I feel like it's earned. So rest assured, that. Benjamin. <laughs> I'll always have your back there. Um, so this is one of my favorite episodes to record, not only because of the movie, but the conversation is phenomenal. Um, I do feel like we could go for at least the runtime of the extended editions here talking about this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but real quick, I could, if you before want. we go. <laughs> yeah. I know Tom has some things he wants to talk about. So um, what are, what are some of the things that you wanted to chat about before we get out of here, Tom? If you, if you want to, I mean, there, there's of course, so many no, I, things. I would love to talk about this. I, movie, um, right? Yeah. And there's, I love your perspective so on things. So thank you. That's very kind. Um, I would say some of this has been inspired by a, a few scholars I've been reading. So I'd recommend anybody read Michael DC drought. Who's the editor of the, uh, the Tolkien encyclopedia and oh, Tom okay. Shipley. Tom Shipley is a great scholar of Tolkien as well. Um, one thing I want to bring up, which I love, which I think is apparent in this movie, is uh, something from, from Shipley's scholarship, which is about Gollum and what the mm-hmm. ring does to people. And what's, what's interesting he mentions is that kind of bifurcation of Gollum's voice, right? Gollum and Schmeagol kind of talking back and mm-hmm. forth. It means there is no first person pronoun. There's no I, right? It's always yeah, the precious yeah. and I'm the precious and... Uh, and then we're going to get the precious and we the way he, yeah, yeah, but the way he refers to himself is never I, it's right. always precious, right? right? Which is the same word he uses for the ring. And so his addiction to, to the ring and to, you know, whatever the ring, whatever benefit the ring gives him, um, has made him lose any kind of sense of identity. Not only is he yeah. fractured into Schmeagol and Gollum, he also no longer has a first person. It's just mm. the ring. He is the ring. Right. He only refers to himself with the same language he uses to refer to the ring, which is, yeah, is yeah. yeah, which is a great, great detail. Um, and another detail I saw in, in rewatching this is 
the fact that and you see this a little bit with with return of the king not to not to ruin it for you ben but the <laughs> potential that Gollum has for redemption that he yeah. doesn't get um you'll you'll see this in return sam kind of screws it up i mean sam is a guy who seems completely guiltless until he mm-hmm. screws up Gollum's redemption a little bit if you look <laughs> for it in, in return of the king but here too where like master betrays him at, at the yeah. well when yeah. he goes to get the fish um and it, it's a you know it's a it's a heartbreaking moment when he looks to, so to, to frodo yeah and he realizes that um that that uh you know that he no longer can trust this person right mm-hmm. uh, yeah and another thing so not to go on and on but with um no, when no. frodo tells just to kind of because i think like sam is the person who's however say most good most sinless yeah. or closest to sinless mm-hmm. um but sam doesn't understand something substantial about frodo and that scene where they're they're in gondor and they've been caught and um and frodo says to sam like i can't do this what we come to learn from these movies is he's right he can't frodo actually right. cannot do this and we'll see this in, in the final movie this is not something he's capable of doing and it's something that that sam doesn't understand even uh sam sam wise his name means halfwit like that's actually oh, how that okay. translates to do it yeah nice. like, um, and initially he was a little stupider than than he was which i'm glad they that the tolkien and also jackson uh, and philippa following in in tolkien's um tolkien's example made him a lot more intelligent than he was originally intended but um sam is this the kind of most innocent character but when you start reading it and going through some of these scenes there's so much he misses right there's mm. there's a little bit of guilt that that he's pretty him. simple yeah. he's, he's not simple. stupid he's a little simple yeah he's a little simple and he also doesn't understand the ring and to be fair to him right. no How one understands you? the ring yeah True. right yeah yeah um what, and one thing you said earlier uh, oh sorry i don't mean to cut you oh, off. No, go for it go for um, it go for it well, you just you talked about you know Gollum's fracture and and the weight the ring, uh, you know, bears upon anyone, and the way that it um, affects Gollum. Andy Serkis said that he you said the ring strips him of himself, strips him of the eye of Gollum, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Andy Serkis said that he used he studied the way that like heroin addicts re, like react during withdrawals for his portrayal of Gollum, mm-hmm. and I think that's spot on. It's exactly what you're talking about, like. Someone who suffers from that addiction loses all sense of themselves, and it's all about feeding the beast, right? Chasing the dragon. Mm-hmm. And interesting. I thought that was a really interesting note that I read about his performance, and it, it tracks completely with what you're talking about because yeah. it's true. It's like it's a true addiction, and 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 all Smeagol is long gone. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Uh, and uh, I, that's a really. It's a really cool point, and I, I I cut you off, so I'd like to hear what oh, you wanted to say. No, that's fine. You can you cut me. I I just keep talking and, and talking. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you please cut me off, or I'll just I'll I'll die of need of air. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and that's to to speak of addiction. I think this is something that is also true in in this movie and and in this trilogy, is that what evil is is absence. It's a lack mm. of something. Right. And that's what addiction is. Addiction is the evil of needing something you don't have and never being able to be something that is not defined by absence. And that's why Sauron is such an interesting villain. Not to spoil it, Ben, but you never see Sauron. Sorry. You just you always (laughs) see that that eye up there and 
you know, gotcha. it's not really him, right? That's like a. You gotta thing. cut this off before you totally ruin the third I, movie. Yeah, <laughs> I just, you know, I just I like now that I feel a companionship with with Legolas. I just I want to shoot my ire <laughs> elsewhere. Um, but yeah, but that's that's what Sauron is. Sauron is this this absence. He's mm-hmm. not there, and that's what the evil is in this movie. The evil isn't something that can create. And that kind of doesn't work because they make the Orakai, right? Saruman makes the Orakai sort mm-hmm. of. Um, but what we see with the evil of addiction of, of the ring that you're talking about with Andy Serkis's, um, Andy Serkis's his breakdown, or his analysis of his character is also in that main villain. That at the yeah. center of evil is not a, a creative power, but only a power that can imitate because mm-hmm. it itself is nothing. It's it's a lack, um, mm. and that goes into That's this really whole Manichaeanism thing that um, we don't have to go into because I, <laughs> you know, I I don't I don't want to bore your audience entirely. Just I'm not sure bit. we have time for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think that's another interesting thing, and the ring is an interesting symbol of it because the ring itself is kind of defined by absence, right? It's something that is right. missing. You know, that's how it you needs use to it. be filled to have mm-hmm. its power. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And so that's I think that's cool. another interesting feature of this uh, of this story. Totally. Well, gosh, Tom, I'd let you keep going, but I think I gotta I think I gotta cut us off. Um, yeah, at some point. But yeah. I I really no, it's okay. I really do. I was really excited to know that you were coming on this because again, it's oh. one of my favorite movies, and I always do love your perspective on things. You always oh, bring you. a unique for sure a unique mm-hmm. um a, a unique uh, set of experiences and and knowledge to everything we talk about. So. I really appreciate the, all of that. I appreciate you being here. Um, if you want, uh, give the people one more opportunity to find out how they can find you and your podcast and all that stuff. Absolutely. And thank you for the, uh, the warm compliments. Um, of course. You can find me on Talking Pictures Trivia. That's the podcast. Uh, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com is the website. I also have a sister podcast, Talking Pictures Trivia B-Side, in which we go into the movies in, in a little more depth that we cover. We do a weekly show. It comes out on Wednesdays. Uh, we did the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So, oh, cool. yeah, that that's the fellowship has just come out as, as of the time that we're recording right now. Two nice. Towers and then Return are, are coming out. Your podcasts have a very weeks. strange synergy in that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like we're always yeah. doing similar stuff at the same time without planning it. That's cool. Love yeah, it. it is. So if you uh, if you want to hear more of my nonsense, uh, jump over to Talking Pictures <laughs> Trivia. And I want to thank you guys. I, I had a great time. I appreciate the the warm compliments. And I yeah. have me on as often as you like. Uh, just awesome. Just you hit will, me up on sure. Twitter. Yeah. Always a great guest. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, uh, that's gonna do it for tonight. Uh, or no one you're listening or watching <laughs> this episode. For me, it's tonight, and I'm done for the evening. Uh, we are Three Films in a Podcast signing off. You can find us at Three Films Pod on all your socials. Uh, check out our website for merch and Patreon support options. And keep your eye on your podcast feed for our, re- our discussion of The Fellowship of the Rings. We'll see you later. Yeah. buddy of mine saw Kylo Ren take his shirt off in the shower and, and he said that Kylo Ren had an eight pack. That Kylo Ren was shredded. What?
Your friend's a liar, man. Kylo Ren is a punk bitch. That guy looks like he weighs 30 pounds soaking wet underneath that little black dress. <laughs> Tim? Tim! Oh no, he's choking on food. I see what's in your mind. It is stupid! Dude, Matt straight up sucks. <laughs>